You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and what are we going to see on Saturday when Texas A&M takes the field against Vanderbilt, and who are three players that need to impress early on in the SEC schedule? That is what we are going to discuss today. Who are the three names? Maybe a surprise, it's actually not three, but who are they, and what will their roles mean to Texas A&M this year? This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by rockauto.com. rockauto.com is an online auto parts service system that has been serving customers for the past 20 years. Go visit rockauto.com and type in Locked On on the How to Hear About section so they know that we sent you. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the auto parts you will ever need. rockauto.com is the place to be. As always, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this show a more quality-sounding podcast, Monday through Friday, we're on five days a week. I would love your input. Follow me at Mr. Cole Thompson, and secondly, at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th Man-related content found here on LOP. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. Well, the SEC preseason poll is out, and guess what? A&M got chipped again. At this point, it's kind of a reoccurring dream that feels like A&M will never join the likes of the Alabama Crimson Tide or the LSUs of the world, and that's exactly what the reporters thought. Now, again, the SEC voters will always likely vote how they feel everything kind of pans out in a shortened season, in a season where it's only SEC schedules. No surprise that Alabama received the most SEC votes to win the whole thing, 77 on the day that they would claim the SEC championship crown on December 19th in Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, while Georgia and LSU tied for second with seven votes each. That's impressive. Alabama that much ahead than everyone else. But let's look at the rest of the SEC media poll just to be safe. Coming in at number one in the Western Conference is Alabama with 86 first place votes. Coming in at number two was LSU, coming in with eight first place votes. Coming in at number three was Auburn, but Auburn did not get a first place vote. They were just consistently number three, which means A&M, who actually finished third in first place votings in the SEC West with two and only got 454 votes total that they would finish in fourth place, means that there were more people saying, we believe that A&M is a better team than Auburn on paper. But we still think that if AM is going to struggle, they're going to finish fourth. Coming in in fifth was a tie between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And then number seven was Arkansas, who got 121 straight votes that they were going to come in dead last. In the SEC East, Florida took home the title of SEC East champions with 53 first place votes. Coming in at number two was Georgia getting 43 first place votes. Tennessee comes in at number three with Kentucky coming in at number four. South Carolina gets the fifth place vote. Missouri comes in six. And Vanderbilt, oh, Vanderbilt, who we're going to be talking about all day on today's show, comes in seven with 101. So basically, the way these votings work, it would come out that Alabama is naturally going to be the favorite and the best team in the SEC. Arkansas is going to be the worst. And everyone else kind of kind of trickles in everywhere, kind of in the middle. Uh, if you want to go a little bit further... Uh, Vanderbilt would come in 13th, Missouri would come in 12th, Ole Miss would come in 11th, Mississippi State would come in 10th, South Carolina would come in 9th, 
Uh, then you would have Kentucky coming eighth. You'd have uh, Tennessee coming sixth. A and M coming fifth. Uh, my bad. A and M coming sixth. Uh, then you would have Auburn coming fifth. LSU coming fourth. Georgia coming third. Florida coming second. And uh, Alabama coming number one. Kind of no surprise there when you really think about it. A and M did though, however, find themselves in the preseason SEC poll for players. Five players made it to the All-SEC team, according to the media votes. No one made it in the first team. Shocking, but again, maybe you understand. Second team was all A&M. Kellen Mond got the start for QB1 at the second team offense, and Isaiah Spiller comes in the backfield as the number two running back behind Rakeem Boyd out of Arkansas. Jalen Weidemeyer would get the call at tight end. That one is going to be the one that I'm going to pay attention to the most this year because I do think that between him and Kyle Pitts, it's going to be a battle to the end of which tight end is actually truly the top dog in the SEC. Meanwhile, when you look at the defense, coming in on the second team defense, Bobby Brown got the call as the defensive lineman uh, in the second team unit, and Damani Richardson got the call on the third team unit for defensive backs. As for specialist. Uh, A&M did not see Anaya Smith in there. That was a big shocker to me. Let's just go back real fast and let's just talk about what these preseason polls mean. They mean absolutely nothing. Every year you see Auburn get overhyped. Every year you see the likes of Alabama usually be in a competitive state. LSU, who's been one of the more disappointing teams, I would say, for the last five or six years outside of 2018 and 19, are always picked to finish second. And usually they finish 9-3, 8-4. So don't think of it as a situation where A&M is automatically ruled out because of the preseason votes are saying, oh, A&M's not going to be good. But what I will say is the best way to shut up the critics is by doing it and doing it early. A&M has that opportunity this year to do it as early as possible with games against Florida and with games against Alabama coming on the 10th and the 3rd, respectively. I know I mixed those up, but you got to say respectively by saying the order in which the games are played. If they can go into Tuscaloosa and they can get a big-time win over the Crimson Tide, not only will there be proof that those two first-place votes A&M did receive is potential for the future of the organization of actually being a true contender, but also... Those two people actually probably knew what they were talking about, seeing how developed this A&M team is. If they can go in and even come close to winning, that at least puts them in a fine conversation to whenever they play Florida, if they get that win over Florida, to be, I would say, a true contender for that second spot. Ultimately, this is a weird year in college football. We don't know if there's going to be a college football playoff. We don't know how bowl games are going to work. We're not sure how any of this is going to happen what's going to be done. It's a very off year for a lot of people in the sporting world, including the reporters like myself. But what I will say is if there is a college football playoff in 2020, the SEC has the best chance to have two representatives in it. I mean, think about it. You have three teams consistently in every single poll in the top five. You have five teams consistently in the poll of top 10 and that would be Alabama that would be Georgia that'd be Florida that'd be Auburn and that'd be LSU and then you have A&M that has cracked their way into the top 10 so according to some there are six teams in one conference four in the west two in the east that are so talented they're the 10 best programs in college football at least for right now now again Everything's going to come down to kind of stipulations towards the end of the season of how things will get done, 
when you think about it because of how are we going to see these teams face off. Are we going to include a eight-win team from the Big Ten? Are we going to include, you know, two teams from the ACC? Maybe Notre Dame finishes as well with an 11-1 record. Maybe you see Texas really kind of break out and they have a big-time year. I think just on talent alone, the SEC kind of dominates there. And that's where they likely stand going into the season. So, for AM, they start off hot. They get some big-time wins. They get two of those top two games knocked out of the way. They're kind of in their own path to just kind of cruise along until the end of the season to when they face LSU and Auburn. If they can get those two wins out of the way, you're going to consistently see them in the top five rankings. You're going to consistently see them making their way up the leaderboards. And likely, if there is a college football playoff, they'll either be one of the first two teams out or they'll be one of the last two teams in. But it all comes down to what they do on October 3rd and October 10th. They get those two wins, or at least one win. They're still in the conversation. With game day coming up, you're going to have to find your own way to tailgate this year with everything else being out of the loop, and you don't want to have a missing part in your car that could cost you valuable time watching the game. That's why I recommend to go to rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is an online auto parts service system that has been serving customers for the past 20 years. They have a variety of selections from color to tint to model to actual design style from years in the past all the way to now. I drive a kind of middle-aged car and I was able to find parts that fit my car sent to my house and installed them myself for a fraction of the price I would if I had to go into a dealership to get that part mailed to them and then pay a service fee. Visit rockauto.com and type in locked on in the how'd you hear about section so they know that we sent you amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the auto parts you will ever need. Rockauto.com is the place to be. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts surrounding your favorite sports team? If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight information to get you geared up for your fantasy football season. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day. Every single day is Locked On Podcast Day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So Texas A&M is going to be taking on the likes of Vanderbilt this upcoming Saturday. Kickoff is at 6.30. You can watch the game on SEC Alternative Channel. Don't forget the alternative or you will not be able to see it. Biggest storyline of all is who's going to be the names that really stick out. This is a very weird opportunity for Texas A&M because of even though they have their stars, they also have a lot of incoming stars. So who are the names that people are going to want to see? Who are going to be the players that everyone wants to look out for? Why don't we just go through it? I got my three listed. Here we go. Number one is easy. It's Kellen Mond. It's not because Kellen Mond is going to struggle. It's not because Kellen Mond has something to prove. He does, but it's more importantly, is he going to go from good to great? That's the biggest thing. Kellen Mond has always been a consistent quarterback in the SEC. There's no longer a Jamie Newman in the conversation. And the battle for QB1 starts this week when Florida takes on the likes of Ole Miss and when A&M takes on the likes of Vanderbilt. Now, last season, he ranked third in the SEC in passing with 2,897 yards and second in total offense with 3,397 yards with his dual threat ability. Now, passing has always been a problem, especially when he's on the run. You watch him, the the pocket collapses, he cannot find a target. 
Let's also not throw out the fact that he's losing his go-to weapon in Jamon Osmond, which was always his definite number one choice that if he could throw to anybody. Watch his foot feet, watch his eyes, watch what he does in the pocket. His first check down is to number two. Number two is gone. But Jimbo Fisher has said that in camp, he has improved as a decision maker. He has understood the offense. And more importantly, he feels the most comfortable he ever has. The biggest thing of all is he's this close to resetting AM's record books. By the end of the year, Kellen Mom will be taking over as at least the all-time pocket passer in passing yards in AM history. Right now, he ranks third behind Johnny Manziel, who has 7,820 compared to Mon's 7,379. And he's only a few more behind Gerard Johnson, who leads with 8,011 yards. He's also pretty close to coming into the ranks of passing touchdowns. 52 for Mon, 63 for Manziel, 67 for Gerard Johnson. He's very close to being at the top of every single leaderboard. And he ranks 5th and 6th in passing yards all time for a single season. Only behind Gerard Johnson, twice Johnny Manziel, and Ryan Tannehill. Can he do it? Can he start his year off so right that we could actually see him probably pass Manziel on Saturday? I don't think so. I mean, it's over 400 yards. But what I will say is, it's a lot closer than people think. And against this Vanderbilt defense who, even though they're returning 11 starters, are they good? Do we know that? Probably not. I can definitely say that he's going to set himself apart in that quarterback battle this upcoming week. There's still so much unproven with Mac Jones. There's still so much unproven with JT Daniels at Georgia. Uh, Felipe Franks, you don't really know what he is for the Razorbacks. You don't really know who's starting at quarterback for teams like Vanderbilt, for Mississippi State, for Ole Miss, all with new head coaches. So, besides Vanderbilt, my bad, but beside the other two Mississippi State schools. So, who really is QB1? It kind of could be Mon. He can decide it this upcoming week by staying alert in the pocket, by delivering complete throws, and more importantly, making the right decisions. Stop trying to throw things where there is nothing there. Release the ball faster. Stop waiting. The pocket collapses, step up and make a throw. And if there's no throw there, get it out of bounds. Don't try and force something that can lead to a turnover. Number two, Jalen Weidemeyer. Here's the main reason why I put Jalen Weidemeyer on here. Mon has nobody. Mon really has no idea what he's going to be working with this upcoming season. So, to me, when that's the case, you want to see the one target that you can rely on step up and have a good game. Now, Weidemeyer, he's probably, if not the most underrated player in the SEC, definitely is the number two tight end in the uh, in the conference. You know, he's even expected to be better than last year. This is a guy who was a three-star recruit who was expected to be nothing compared to Baylor Cup. And last year, he finished with 32 catches, 447 yards, and six touchdowns to earn an all-SEC recognition. Those were the SEC's third highest catch and yards total among tight ends last year. There was one name who was better, and it was Kyle Pitts. We all know what he's about to do at the next level. But again, what you saw with Mond, especially in games like Alabama, where he wanted to rely so much on a tight end, building that connection goes a long way. And that was what was really successful in 2018. Mon built a connection with Jay Sternberger that allowed AN's passing offense to reach all-time highs. The biggest thing of all is that Weidemeyer is really big. 
He's six foot five. I mean, he is a giant. It's harder to cover those guys, and especially with the speed that he possesses. When you look at all that, it becomes even harder for linebackers to cover him. It becomes hard for safeties to cover him. If you watch anything of Darren Waller for the Las Vegas Raiders, he's almost unguardable unless you're putting a man-to-man six-foot-two cornerback on him. That might be the case with Weidemeyer as well. That's how talented he is. That's how much production he can bring. He's also a very good blocker, which means he's going to help out in the run game. But you need to build a chemistry early on with your quarterback. And your senior quarterback is going to always rely on his go-to target. Osmond's gone. Davis is gone. Rodgers is gone. The next name on the list is Weidemeyer. So Weidemeyer is going to be a name to watch out for, especially on third and short, on second and three, on I would say even third and seven. That's where you're going to see the ball go to, I think, a lot. 11 to 85 is going to be a connection we see more and more week in and week out, especially if it works early on against the Commodores. Number three, I told you, I don't really have a third option because of this is the third option. Any of the wide receivers, Jamon Osmond's absence is actually a blessing for this young core. Everyone knew that the ball was going to be going to number two. A lot. Guess what? He's gone. Somebody's got to step up. So you got Caleb Chapman, who's had an impressive camp, according to everything everyone said. Then you also had the likes of a guy like Ezekiel Jones. He was a name that people wanted to continue to see develop last year. He was a little bit effective with the second team unit. Now he's going to be probably working his way into the first team unit. You got Jalen Preston. This is the name that I think a lot of people are going to get to know very fast in the SEC. His ability to be multi-tooled as not just a slot option, but on the outside, his speed, all of that kind of plays up to a level that people and defenders are not going to be prepared for, especially with little tape on him. And finally, there's Demond Demas. I mean, DeMond is a guy who was a top 25 player in the country. I mean, and he was one of the top receivers in the recruiting class. He was one of the names that people were going to look out for. He may not be a big development early on, but much like we saw with Isaiah Spiller last year against Texas State, he really didn't do much in the first half, but that second half 97-yard run was something that people were saying, all right, we got our 1-2 combination. In Jay Sean Corbin and Isaiah Spiller. Corbin's out. Now Smith's in, but you still have Spiller, which is a big blessing. One play is all it takes for fans to get excited to go see what Demas can do. And Demas's speed, Demas's size, everything about him makes him a player that people are going to be excited to see week in and week out for Texas AM. And it's really simple with no tape on him whatsoever. They don't even have his senior year high school tape because he could not play at Tomball. He's fresh as anything. And he's going to want to use his legs for the first time to beat a defender and start his AM career off right with a touchdown. Three more names coming on the list for our top 25 Aggies in 25 days, getting you ready for kickoff this Saturday. Who are they? I'll give you a hint. There's two offensive players, one defensive name. Let's break them down in just a quick moment. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Spotify and on iTunes. Make sure you listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. And follow us on social media, at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. All right, Texas A&M's top 25. We are in the top 10. As we mentioned, number 10 was DeMarvin Leal. 
Number nine was Jaden Peavy, and number eight was Bobby Brown. Who comes in at number seven? That's going to be Jalen Preston. It was actually going to be Demon Demas, but because of the way the depth chart is right now, and because of where Preston has performed in camp, I have to give it to him. This is the receiver with the most experience that can go out there and play that number one role immediately for A&M's passing game. He didn't do much last year. In fact, he barely did anything. Finished with three catches for 36 yards, averaging 12 yards per catch, and did it in pretty underachieving games. All three catches were recorded in the first three weeks of the season against Texas State and Lamar. He had two against the Bobcats and one against the Cardinals with the second team unit. So again, this really isn't anything to really knock on, but you watch his speed. He's got an ability to make corners miss. He's a very good route runner. He can win at the top of catches. He can win at contested catches, and he's a flat-out baller. Sometimes you just need to be athletic, and the athletic traits will stand out tall. That's what Preston is. He may not be the elite tall guy. He's only six foot two. He may not be the biggest guy in the locker room, but he can win with his routes. He can win with his hands. He can win after the catch. I mean, that was very evident last year. He averaged, yeah, it was it was twelve yards per catch. Both times he made defenders miss. It wasn't just quick little easy out routes and stuff like that. He made defenders miss in the open field. I want to see more of that. Somebody's got to step up as wide receiver number one. In the end, I think Demas will be that guy, but I think Preston has the most chance to be successful early on in his season. That's just me. And I'm very excited to see what he can do against Vanderbilt. I'm very excited to see what he can do against Alabama. And then I'm very excited to see what he can do against DBU, Florida. Yeah, I still think Florida has the chance to be the recognizable DBU. Coming in at number six, I'm going to go Jalen Weidemeyer. I think that Weidemeyer's role before Osbin opting out would have likely been, I'll say, maybe eight. Not much higher than this, but at six, he has to be. You got to get weapons. I won't spend much time on him because I've already done that today. Consistency is key with a quarterback that struggles. That is where Weidemeyer comes in. He is going to be that security blanket that Osbin was. You saw what he did in 2018 with Sternberger. 2020 is a chance for it to come around and be that same guy. More importantly, you don't have Baylor Cup. You don't have Blake Smith in the realm. You have Ryan Rennick, who's more of a blocking tight end. You are going to be the pass-catching tight end. And if you're lucky, you're also going to be the number one target in the offense. Sometimes, and you look at some of these offenses run in the NFL, your number one weapon is your tight end. San Francisco's number one weapon is George Kittle. Kansas City's number one weapon is Travis Kelsey. It's slowly turning into Tyree Kill, but it still is Travis Kelsey. And don't try to argue with me. He's had four straight years of 1,000 yards. And Patrick Mahomes has only been there for three. And one, Mahomes didn't even suit up for. So two years before that, Kelsey was still doing 1,000 yards. Mark Andrews is the number one weapon in Baltimore right now. And that kind of fluctuates in and out. So again, don't tell me a tight end can't be the number one weapon. That's likely going to be the case with Weidemeyer early on just because he's seen the most game action. And that's sometimes what you have to be. Number five at our top five, and we will close this out tomorrow, Buddy Johnson. It's got to be Buddy Johnson. You need a field general on both sides of the ball. And naturally, nine out of ten, it's likely going to be 
your middle linebacker on defense, and your quarterback on offense. With Anthony Hines opting out, it's now Johnson's time to really step up and be that full three-down player. What that means is, is that when they run a 4-1-6 set, because if they have to go look at running more in coverage, Johnson still remains out there. He's going to be your commander-in-chief. Last year, he led AM with with the number of tackles. He was, I think, second or third on the team in sacks. He's a productive player. More importantly, he's earned Mike Elko's trust to be the Mike backer. He's got the mic in the ear. He's going to be telling the defense exactly what they need to be looking for every single play. Early on, the running game is going to be a lot of the storyline. I mean, in week one, it's got to be for Vanderbilt. They have to have a run game. They have no idea what they're doing at quarterback right now. Is it going to be Ken Seals? Is it going to be Mike Wright against Alabama? Kind of same thing. You're warming up Mac Jones for later on the season, and you got a guy named Najee Harris in your backfield. That is where Buddy Johnson makes his money. He makes the most against the run. And he can do that, especially the defensive line, opens up gaps for him to blitz in through A or B and meet guys like Harris in the backfield. They can do that. That limits a game. Every single time you take away an element of a game, it forces coordinators to rely heavily on the other option. And A&M's pass defense maybe has improved from last year. They were ranked 41st in the nation. You probably want to see them be a little higher. But I will say, right now, what they're doing is they can take away the run game for every team. There's a lot of new quarterbacks in the SEC. Make them pass. Make them pass early. Make them pass often. You do that, you stay afloat week in and week out. Make them one-dimensional teams. Buddy Johnson up the middle, stuffing running backs for gains of one and two, and then having them to go for it on third and eight, third and nine, second and 11. Those are ways you win the football game. And that is what A&M is going to have to do in 2020 to be successful. That's going to do for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast here on Locked on Podcast Network on iTunes and Spotify. Follow us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, we'll be going over our preview for every game in the SEC, giving you our final four names on players to watch for in Texas A&M football. And more importantly, what's my prediction for A&M going into the weekend? We will see you tomorrow. And remember, take them, y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.